Yeah, and if I don't trust you and I don't know you or someone that I trust really referred you, it doesn't matter how much money you're going to throw in ads. Like, people are just not going to connect with you. And if you build that trust right now, like, think how long-term, how, how much is securing your business and how quickly you can build because if someone trusts you and they're sitting around the dinner table and someone says, man, I need a plumber. I know someone. Here, call this person. They were great with me. Good morning. Welcome to Grounded Content, the podcast where tactical and effective meets grounded and honest in content marketing, communications, and all the creative ways that we communicate our message and try to do it effectively with a business goal in mind. I'm Marion Abrams, the host of the show. Today, my guest is Ifat Cohen. We've talked about it before. The field out there is so crowded and filled with brands, and nobody knows who to trust anymore. And that's where Ifat's ideas come in. She explains the importance of building communities of trust online in order to sell your products. How to create what she calls jackpot moments. A way to show your value rather than to tell others about it. She also shares her secret to being comfortable on camera, especially when she's live. And the thing I find most exciting about this interview is Ifat not only has great ideas that are going to be helpful for you, but she's looking with an eye on the future. This is the direction things are going to be going. More communities, more value on trust, and now is the time to start building it. Welcome to Grounded Content, and thank you for joining me. My guest today is Ifat Cohen. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You did. High five. Okay. <laughs> so thank you. So it's hard for me to even introduce you because you have such a varied background, which is what makes you a great guest. And I know you have a story about your success with Google Plus and how that taught you not to build on rented land. So maybe that's a good place to just kind of establish your credentials. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I love geeking out about these things with people who are just as geeky as I am about them. So I fell into social media kind of like by accident because... I was in college when Facebook started. So it was a whole college thing, right? But still, like, I would share, like, everybody, my heart and soul, my pregnancy, my thoughts, right? And it'll be like, cricket, cricket. And it's always kind of like that envy. Like, how do they get more likes? And then Google Plus happened. And I'm a geek. And I was one of the first 100 people invited. And unlike many of you probably listening to this, I fell in love with the platform. So because they were geeks and... There were no gurus and nobody knew how to use the platform and it was in beta. So we were just kind of like trying to figure out what's there. So every time I would figure something out, I would share it. I'd be like, oh, that's what you can use it for. And this is how you can do that. And so I became the G plus go-to gal because I was just explaining how to use stuff. And so I built an audience and I built just basically like a community, right? Of people I really enjoyed spending time with. And then Google came out with Hangouts and I launched a show with a guy I met on Google Plus and we started an interview show and just on Hangouts, right? Which is not shared. It was just like you doing a video and then hopefully people can see it. It wasn't on air. We had to go through live stream and stuff to kind of get it on the system. So then when Google launched Hangouts on air, my audience really said, hey, Google, give her the rights because we want to see it. And I was like, ah, there's really, really power in a community, right? And an audience who loves you because Google was like, okay, here you go. You have the rights to go live on there. So it's me and Guy Kawasaki and all these like superstars, right? And little me with my little 60,000 followers. And I really, really love the audience and audience engagement. So I opened it up 
anyone can come in and talk to my guest face-to-face in real time, right? So if I interview the VP of marketing of Walt Disney, they come in and they have a fantastic conversation. Or the youngest president of the NAACP, I had a journalist come in and go like, sir, I disagree with you because one of the things that you were saying, blah, blah. And I was like, man, this is like the best conversations, right? Because I wouldn't know that stuff. So I had like this amazing audience. And there was a moment in time where Guy Kawasaki and Gary Vaynerchuk were doing their own little book promotion, right? And I was having my show at the same time. And someone came in and said, hey, you know, Guy and Gary were doing their thing. They probably took some of your audience because it was at the same time. And I go and look at the stats and I'm like, oh my God, I got four times the engagement, the shares, the comments, (laughs) right? So little Jewish girl kicked Guy Kawasaki's butt. And it all boiled down to engagement. And I was like, okay, there's really, really power in building an audience that feels connected to you, that supports you. So Google started flying me around and I'm speaking on stages and people find me in search as the first result. So fantastic. Everything's going well. And then Google wakes up, has a bowel movement and says, we don't feel like doing Google Plus anymore. And seven years, right, of content, relationship, ranking, offers, everything. And so the first lesson is don't build your home on rented properties. Own your audience, own your content, own your voice. Because, I mean, we saw what happened with the president, not getting political, right? But like, yeah. yeah, that stuff happens all the time. And right now, this space, the digital space is so crowded. And if you listen to an interview a couple of weeks ago with the Brandsmiths, it's like they point out, you know, 30 years ago, there were not 100 different brands of chocolate, 100 different brands of water, 100 different brands of everything. So right now, this space is so crowded. And so how do you stand out? And what you were saying was people are so hungry for something they can trust. And those in-person tangible relationships or virtual but interactive relationships are how you build that. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine today and he goes like, how are you running your community? How much time does it take? Where are you hosting it? How are you doing it? I'm just looking for something that I can, you know, just share content and not take a lot of time. And I'm like, that's not a community, man. (laughs) That's like a blog. (laughs) So my theory is that you can be honest and real and you can also be effective and successful in your business, right? And so they're not one or the other. They actually work together. And so I hear people talking about building community either as sort of an altruistic thing because they want to build community or building like a closed community so that they can charge for entrance or capacity. How do you use community in terms of your business? So I kind of do both. So I have a channel in Telegram where I just share freely about myself. And I would share pictures of my son and me and Kav Maga and ideas about Israel and all that stuff. And it'll just be like, this is Ifa, right? And then I have a paid community. And the reason why it's paid, it's two reasons. It's called an action hero community. And I found that if you pay, you pay attention. So if you are paying just a little bit above your comfort zone, you will take action. It's like the gym membership, right? Ah, $10 a month. Nah, I'll go tomorrow, right? But $150 for a personal trainer, you will be there every time, right? And you'll see the results. So it's not that the gym membership doesn't work, is that the commitment is different for as much as you invest in it. So I'm very, very big on serving people to their interest and to make them actually take action because the rinse and repeat stuff can be boring. 
but that's how you build it, right? Like you're consistent. You just share and you show up and you share again and you talk and you engage and you build that trust and you're consistently doing that. And eventually all of a sudden you're a star. So like, have you ever seen anyone who just started on Instagram and overnight they are like an influencer? Stuff takes months, right? Even if you fake it, even if you buy views and followers and comments, still takes months. Well, and we can talk about that, right? I mean, to what end, right? What's the point of that? What value does that actually give you if you buy them? I mean, unless you just need that vanity number. And sometimes that's effective, depends on what your goal is. But it's interesting you say that about the paid community. If you pay, you pay attention because one of the things I've noticed with the virtual conferences is there's so many of them. And even if I pay, I don't carve out the time. And I don't have the same experience that I would have by flying somewhere and being fully engaged in the conference. I kind of have it going on in the background. So is it because the way they run the conference? Maybe. So you tell me, you're the expert in this. Tell me what works. So I truly believe that we are not meant to sit and listen to someone for hours on end. You know, and after five minutes, you start to wonder, right? Especially when you're online and now you have notifications popping on on everywhere. So I think this is actually one of the nicest things that happened because of COVID. We have to learn to be interactive, right? To move from broadcasting to actually engaging with people. So if you run a conference, the reason why you would go to an in-person conference, not necessarily for the speakers, right? Like it'll be for the networking and for meeting people and the conversations in the hall, right? So if you're running a conference, why not run it that way, right? So you and I met on Michael Rodericks and that was fantastic, right? Because we got to talk to each other. We got to meet each other. And you wanted to stay for the whole thing because you're like, who else am I going to meet? Like, there are amazing people here. And so if you run conferences like that, which are not promotional, which are all about engagement, which are hands-on activities, right? Like, okay, you learned this concept, now go apply it. Then you're like, okay, I'll clear up my entire day. And I've done that. I've done that when I did like a five-day challenge, which was a five-hour a day. People showed up for all days, for all five hours, wanted more, right? Because it was like, okay, Here's how you build a lead magnet. Now go build it. Here's how you go online. Now go online. Here's how you do this. Now go do that. And the reason why that stuff works and how conferences can do it better is because if you get a lot of people in a safe environment, now they're free to experiment and make mistakes with other people who are just learning the same way as they are. And now you build an audience. It's no longer like usernames and people called out. Now it's people that actually know each other and want to continue the journey. So let me ask you this, is social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that, is it obsolete as we know it? Or is there just a different way that the social media managers should be thinking about things? You know, this is so interesting because we're in a spot where people get older information and misinformation, right, from online. And we're at the point where people just don't check anything. There's no verifying nothing. There's like, ooh, there's a meme who pushed my button. Let me go share it. Right or wrong, right? Let me just share it. Yes. One of my wish list interviews is the founder of Newslet, which is a great organization that helps people figure out how to check things. And it's fascinating to me, like how people just learning to search. I'm like, how hard is it? You just put it in Google. And the first thing that comes up is fact check. Well, it was interesting. I mean, not to get too much off track, but it was interesting, the data. And that was that, for example, people, especially older people who were maybe even very educated, just didn't have the updated tools. Which is even harder, right? Because you are talking to educated people who are used to kind of checking, but they don't know how the game has changed. 
And now it's easy to manipulate them. I interviewed Philip Stutz, who's a political marketer, and he helped presidents and senators get elected based on data. So what they would do is they would look on Facebook before the whole Facebook Analytica and privacy happening, and they'll see what's important to you, and they'll put the ad that's important to you for that representative. So you don't know this about me, but I actually was a social media consultant for a gubernatorial campaign and managed their paid social, and it was an ethical candidate. And we ran an ethical campaign, but we were also using a lot of the tactics that are sort of standard in the Facebook industry for selling sunglasses or whatever. And when I saw the really negative impacts that that had, and this was before that became in the public interest, right? The public knowledge. And that was one of the things that really triggered this conversation in my mind is sort of how important it is that part of the conversation when people learn about marketing tactics is they also have the conversation about where are the lines between manipulation and persuasion? And even if you're selling an ethical product, are there unethical ways to sell it? So this is something that I think about a lot, too much. Yeah, and it's a fair question because it is so easy to manipulate nowadays. So easy, right? Even in unintended ways, but like with yeah. the political ads, right? Right? I mean, like now people are using deep fake, you know, deep fake? Tell me. So for those who don't know, deepfake is basically a way for you to create videos with people and images that have never happened, right? So I can put my face as a Darnassi from Game of Thrones, right? And I'm on a dragon and stuff like that. And I can pretend to be saying things. That's the playful side of things. The non-playful side of things is that anyone can take your selfie and now create a video in your voice of you saying things that you've never said. And so... There was already the first theft from it where someone called the CEO of a company, I'm sorry, the accountant of the company as the CEO and said, Friday night, I need you to wire this money right now. And so we only trust people that we actually know and have an authentic conversation with. And the question is like, so how are you as a business owner having this authentic conversation with people in real time without sitting all day on the phone going like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? So I have a system, it's called From Sin to Sold Out. And, and I'm um, going to just say it because you have a little bit of an accent. And the first time I heard it, I misunderstood. It's From Seen to Sold Out. So I was like, From Sin to Sold Out. That's interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of words that I cannot pronounce very well. So From Seen to Sold Out. Tell us from about it. From Seen to Sold Out. And the entire idea is how do you engage with people in real time? And I call it delivering jackpot moments. So the entire idea is like, you are probably super, super helpful right now to people across the dinner table, in the hallways, your neighbors call you, right? Someone's sending their son to you and you're always helping people. And the challenge is, is like, nobody sees it. So then you're going online and you're going like, okay, I need to show people that I know what I'm doing. And all your messaging is salesy and it triggers people their own way because now it's like, why is this trying to sell me something. So you have this amazing content that you're creating as nurturing and engaging and sharing just super authentic. And now you decide I need to sell, flip the mindset, selling mode, right? And nobody engages with that. And you're like, oh, it's not working. So let me do ads. Oh, my ads are not working. Oh, let me focus on this thing, right? And now you go through the rabbit hole of this shiny object of like, how do I convince people that I actually know what I'm talking about? And the easiest way to do that is to demonstrate publicly that you know what you're talking about. And how do you do this without guessing what people need from you? Is next time someone says, hey, can you help me with X, Y, Z? You say, sure. 
A few other people asked me about the same thing. Let's do this live. And let me just demonstrate live to, you know, answer this live. And now you have a video that shows you, demonstrate your skills without you going like, look at me, I know how to do it. It just shows that you know how to do it. And the person at the end of it goes like, ta-da, you know, light bulb comes up. You got a jackpot moment of like, yo, I can do this. And now you take that content and you turn it into your autoresponders, your social posts, your everything. So the challenge with that is that it sounds super easy, but it's like, how do I deliver this jackpot moment, right? Like, how do I go live and not fumble? Because it's scary to go live. The beauty of it, though, is when you mess up live, like I just did with my accent, right? Yeah. Then makes the people watching going like, oh, she's like me. She messes up. It's interesting. I did my first live ever and I was kind of like ready to push the button and I was kind of nervous. And it was really freeing because, you know, if you're recording and you make a mistake, you stop, you do it again. And it actually takes so much more work. But when you're live, you can kind of integrate the mistake and the correction into the conversation and just keep going. And it's really kind of easier once you realize that. And the little trick of like getting over your camera fear is when you're doing live on your own in front of the camera, the first 30 to one minute is really nerve wracking because like anyone watching me, anyone like anybody care, right? And you're just watching that number is like only one person. Oh, they dropped. Oh, right. And you get like, uh. But when you do that, when you actually helping someone else online, then the mindset is different. Then it's not about you being interesting. It's you being interested. And so it's so much easier. Like you forget about yourself and all you focus on is how do I help that person get a jackpot moment? That's the whole thing, right? And you don't care what you look like because you're focusing on the other person. You don't have to be the smartest kid in the room because you're focusing on the other person. You don't have to come up with a structure or anything. You just need to know how to ask questions and lead which, to a jackpot right, moment. Right, which is what you do, right? Because you, that's, you, do, right? you wouldn't be setting up the live if it wasn't in your skill set, right? <laughs> so Hopefully, right? That's yeah, the idea. Right. If you know how to do this, you can do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me more. How do you make sure you get this jackpot moment? How do you identify that moment? It's in the other person's, which is why I also love live, right? Because you can see the light bulb come up. You're going to, oh. So when we were talking about trust, why trust sounds so trivial? Of course, I need trust. I mean, duh. But there are like these two types of trust, right? And I think because what happened with the internet right now, because it's matured and we've all went through the ascension model, the free, the 29, the 57, the 129, the ascension model is not geared to giving you any wins. The intention is to leave you hungry for the next step. So if I'm saying like, get this thing and you can create the best chocolate cake ever, right? Right. And it keeps your customers unsatisfied. You never have a happy customer. Yeah. And so what happens though, like, like if you're the person who started from the free and paid the 29 and the 129 and the and all you get in emails and everything is like, Julie just made $10,000. Mike just became a millionaire, right? You start going like, okay, I'm the idiot because Obviously, everybody else succeeding, I'm paying and I'm not getting results. You know, I should quit this whole entrepreneur thing. And so now as a marketer or business owner, you have this two-sided trust thing. First, they need to trust you that you're able to deliver. You know what you're doing, right? Second, they need to trust themselves that they can get results. And we kind of like the internet kind of smash this, right? Because it's like, 
we're all talking about like, you're not worthy, <laughs> right? Well, I was thinking about Clubhouse to just circle back. But when you were talking about what you loved about Google Plus in the beginning, when I first got in Clubhouse, I loved that because everybody was just trying new stuff and nobody had figured out how to scam the system yet. And that only lasted like two weeks. Yeah. But marketers came in. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you get people who pretend to be an authority and they give advice with great confidence that's bad advice. And then you have regular people listening and they try to implement it and it doesn't work. And then they think they're a failure because the advice was bad. And I think there are so many people walking around feeling like a failure right now, just because you only see the end result on social media. You never see the endless night. You never see the unanswered emails. You never see the no's. You never see, you like none of that, you know, like one of my community members, she came by and she said, man, it's like you popped out of nowhere. All of a sudden you have all these things. And she's like, I've been a blogger for, <laughs> you know. Right, right. But all of a sudden I'm active and I'm like, I'm talking to people and I'm sharing things. And everybody who watched me going like on the quiet side, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, so yeah, it's, what do you call it? Overnight, like yes, 10 years right. in the Over, making. Yeah. So I got you off track because you were starting to talk about how you build this trust and how you kind of convert that into a sale, right? How you make that. Into content, right? Yeah, the content and then the productive content and how you actually converted it to an actual purchase, you know. We were talking about like high ticket sales, yeah. right? Because to sell something for $520, not a problem, right? But when you start talking about 500 or 2000 or 10000 there has to be trust there. And that trust, I call the jackpot moment like a way to accelerate trust. Because what happens when you, like, let's say you got a, a bump, like a rash, a rash on your arm. And you start describing it to someone. And all of a sudden, a bum from the street, a homeless, goes like, oh, yeah. And it itches here. And it, when it happens at night, then he goes like, and you're like, yeah, what do you do? Now you're asking the homeless because he right, knows right. how to describe right, what's happening. So same thing happens when you start delivering jackpot moments and you show your prospect that you really understand what's going on. And you give them a win. You go like, okay, so this is what's happening. Go do this. That opens up the door to a follow-up the easiest way to do it, right? Like, so, hey, so you apply that, how's that going? And from there, they go like, oh, that went great. Now I have this other problem that I didn't have because it's fantastic. Now I can offer you to join the mastermind. Here's a course, here's a thing. Already build the trust and the care. So it's so much easier to convert into a sale. I was doing a show before LinkedIn closed my account. I'm telling you, I'm being banned from rental <laughs> properties all over the place. <laughs> and I went live and someone... Complete stranger, we've never talked or interacted before, jumped on my show because I invite everybody to come in and ask me questions in real time. So she came in and she asked a question and we answered it in real time. So now we have a video demonstrating how we can help. And then because I did it on my own website, I had her phone number and her email and I just texted and I said, how's it going? Did we answer all your questions? And she said, yeah, kind of. And I was like, let's jump on another call and I'll answer the questions we didn't answer. And we jumped on a call. Did you record that second call? It was uh, first call. So first one was publicly yeah, in front yeah. of her, right? So first call. And there were two words that turned her from a complete, you know, stranger call traffic into a $10,000 client with retainer. And those two words were, nobody knows. <laughs> and she goes like, what? And I'm like, nobody knows. Nobody knows the right way to do anything. Everything is a test. So... When your Facebook people say, oh, you're going to run this follow-up. No, they're going to build it. They're going to test it. 
you can see me, but the listeners can't. I'm just like breathing this huge sigh of relief of like, yes, yes. It's like I just did my first ever uh, solo episode last week. Well, it'll be a couple weeks ago when this published. And I was like, there is no one size fits all solution. There is not. Like I could teach you a whole bunch of tactics, but you're different. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so the only difference, guys, between knowing and not knowing is test. And the only difference between the testing is money and time. If you have money, you'll get the results faster and you can adjust faster. If you don't have the money, it'll take you a little longer to get there. But it's all a test. A great example. I love Ryan Levesque. Love him, love him, love him. Great guy. I think he's authentic. His heart is in the right place and everything. And we're in the same mastermind. And he offered us to test drive his quiz funnels for the first time. And I said, can you really sell everything with a quiz? Or there's some things that that just don't, it doesn't fit. It's like, no, everything can be sold with a quiz. And I'm like, okay. So I take a month and I put up a quiz for my new product, a hand sanitizer. And I come up with like, what's the right hand sanitizer for your skin type? And I come up with skin types. Oh, and it flops because nobody cares. Who cares to take a quiz for a hand sanitizer? <laughs> nobody, right? But I think also like right now, I think things have flipped with that too. I think trust for quizzes is very low right now because people finally realized how their data was being collected and kind of got wind of that. So I think right now is not a great time for quizzes. If they're on Facebook, if you're doing it like with Ryan's system and stuff, they kind of collect it, but you're absolutely right because they would take each and everything in the question and it'll turn that into a custom field in the email. And now it looks like it's super personalized when it's not, right? And it's the same thing that happened with webinars. There's so many places I want to go right now. I'm trying to pick carefully all the questions. So I don't know if you know John Levy, but he has a brand new book called You're Invited. And he's a behavioral scientist. And he talks about connections. Great book. I'm still working my way through it, but I've had a couple conversations with him. And one of the things he talks about, at least in person, is this uh, trust cycle and this trust sort of accelerator. And he talks about the vulnerability element. And so basically what he says is, and I apologize to whoever he credited because he, I think he credited someone on this study and I don't remember who, but basically the idea is when you meet someone, the way you build trust is you sort of put out a feeler of vulnerability. Like you might say like, gosh, you know, I have a hard time going live on TV. And then the other person either says like, yeah, whatever. And then that's the end. Or they say, yeah, me too. And then that feedback loop starts and you present these vulnerabilities and how the person responds, that gives the opportunity to build trust and to accelerate building trust. So I'm interested because I love the jackpot moments. Is there a, a connection that I'm missing in that? Like, is there a vulnerability piece to that that I'm missing? Yes. So the beauty of the jackpot moment is that it's unscripted. Like you're right there with the person face to face going like, okay, how do I help you? And in order to help someone, you have to connect with them. And in order to connect, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you're not connecting as like, I'm the know-it-all, which is part of the beauty of life. You will mess up on life. It's totally fine. Something is not going to work out. Something, all right? Because it's live. So that allows you to be, first of all, completely human. The next thing is like when someone admits that they're like, that's the problem, it's super hard for them to admit that publicly in front of everybody. So if your next step is validation, going like, I heard you. And this is what happens and you're not the only one and this is completely normal, right? So the conversation, even though it's unscripted, it is structured. There is a system that you're going to follow through to connect with someone 
to affirm them. And then at the end, you have to give them something actionable to do because otherwise it's just a conversation, right? And if they don't have something actionable to do, you can't follow up and say, did you do it? Are you stuck? What's going on? So there is a structure for it, but the first, first one is kind of like part of active listening. I heard you say that. Do I understand you correctly? And then affirming, totally normal. Like if you have a story, great. If you don't have a story, something that happened to someone else that you kind of relate to. But the entire idea is to make someone feel super, super comfortable with you, especially since they're doing this live. Now, a lot of people would say, yeah, but, you know, my prospects don't want to do it live. It's too scary. It's too vulnerable. I don't want people to see me as the idiot who doesn't know how to create an email, right? Totally fine. Do it in Zoom, right? Record the Zoom moment. Let them know at the beginning, like, I have your permission to record you and use this. So now you have them on video giving you a disclaimer that it's okay. And then take the Zoom and edit the Zoom. There are ways to play a recorded video live on the channels. There's one challenge with that. (laughs) You might be educating your audience that all your lives are not really live. So when you are really going live, they're not really, even if you fake it and you're there in the comments, we can tell, right? (laughs) So I would say as much as you can go live, go live, then edit the video afterwards and use that as strategic content that features your ability to help people. Always say, come to my website, watch this on my website, fill up a form on my website. This is where we're doing all that engagement. It's always, always, always driving to your own. Never on Google+. Plus. Never, never. <laughs> it's so funny to me when people are like, find me on Facebook. Why? <laughs> find me on my website. It's the only one I have, right? Find me in my SMS. Find me in my, you know, Telegram even. But not Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, you know, Google+. <laughs> like. The entire purpose of Google Plus was not to compete with Facebook. It was to build a cyber identity so that if you come to Austin and you go like, what's the best pizza restaurant? How does Google know what's best to you? So if they know what you're talking about in Google Plus and they know what your friends are talking about, and if they know where you've been, and if they know what you shared and what stuff, so all that stuff gives them a cyber identity of who Marianne is. And now when you go somewhere else, they go like, okay, advertisers, this is what she wants. Back then, Google flew me to the Googleplex in California, and they wanted to launch Google TV. And one of the things that they were talking about is paying for taxi rides to restaurants where the owner of the restaurants will pay for the rides so that you get more clients, kind of instead of advertising. And I was like, yeah. And so soon enough, you'll get your milk for free or your you know bread for free, all that stuff for free, as long as you get it from the Google sponsors, right? And the challenge with that is that exactly what's happening with social media. You don't know what's in the food. You don't know why they got it. You don't know what else they know about you, right? There's this fine line between privacy and conveniency. And the challenge is most people prefer convenience over (laughs) myself included. You know, every time I think like I get upset about it and I think I'm going to turn off all the cookies. And in a day, I'm like, I don't want to log into every account every time. The defense I have is that I work with enough clients with enough diverse areas that Google has no idea. I think they think I'm a 35-year-old man who's into <laughs> fitness. and uh, <laughs> So that's my defense. They have no idea who I am. So this is so fun and so interesting. And I think this is probably one of the most valuable interviews for the audience because, you know, it's one thing to, I don't want to say regurgitate because I've had a lot of really smart guests on. But there's a difference between kind of looking at what has worked in the past 
and sharing that information, which is super valuable, and really seeing what's coming next. And I feel like what we're talking about now is really seeing what's coming next and how people need to adapt to that. Yeah. And I would say it's more small private communities of people that congregate around a shared passion where they can feel free to be themselves and share their mistakes and their struggle through the journey. And that's not publicly seen. It's not a Facebook group, it's not a Twitter list. It's a small private community that people truly connect with face to face. And I've been saying it for years. I think now it's actually resonating, but it's like, if you don't build your audience right now, and there's a difference between followers and an audience and a community and a fan club, if you don't build a loyal audience right now, you will have a really, really hard time a year or two or three down the road because the trust is going to diminish online. Right. People are going to get into their groups, right? And they're not going to be as open to a new group. Yeah. And if I don't trust you and I don't know you or someone that I trust really referred you, it doesn't matter how much money you're going to throw on ads. Like people are just not going to connect with you. And if you build that trust right now, like think how long-term, how, how much is securing your business and how quickly you can build. Because if someone trusts you and they're sitting around the dinner table and someone says, man, I need a plumber. I know someone here, call this person. They were great with me. Right. Or how quickly it can be like, just make sure don't call that guy because. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, Super quickly. So, and that you'll never see it online, but in the conversations and the inner conversations, it's going to happen. So make sure that you are the person that people are talking about and they will, if they trust you and bring them to your own casino and really, really focus on relationship. Because if you think about this, if you have five people who really, really trust you and you want to double that, all you have to say, Hey, give me one recommendation and you can just double and double with no email list. With no ads. With well, no that's what I was going to ask. So if I were to turn this around totally selfishly, right? You know, I'm starting this business consulting and coaching podcasters. And, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years with video and, you know, nine years with podcasting and obviously a diverse background. Should I be building a community or is that the equivalent to just connecting one-on-one with people and reaching out to my existing network? I mean, what would you do? I would say a community. And I would say a community because it is so hard to do it alone, right? It is extremely difficult to do it alone. And not just for you, but for your people as well. So I see it with my own community. If I go like, okay, guys, engage, right? Here's how you engage. This is, by the way, this is a chance to do your jackpot moment with me. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you going to come down on it? But if I say like engage, they're going like, how do I engage? And I'm like, what do you mean how? Like, what do I say? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you like? <laughs> there's this different mindset where it's like, I know what to say when I go in person to a new event. I know how to connect with new people. But if I try to do this online, all of a sudden I forgot what it's like to talk to people and I don't know what to do. And so for me, engagement was really easy. But when I started working with my members and I'm like, really, we need to break this down to like exactly what you say. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, so now Amy and Dana, this is what you guys are doing together. And all of a sudden, it's not scary because Amy can ask Dana and then I can ask Amy and they can be like, Dana, what do you think about this? Amy, I think this is great. Yeah, go ahead and post it. So now they're connected, they're a community and they're applying what I'm saying. And if both of them can figure it out, there's another person, there's another person, and then there's me. But it's a community, right? And I'm not going like, okay, I'm the only idiot on the block that doesn't know what to say. So for you, 
I would say, especially people starting to podcast, there are so many questions like, how do I become a great host? What do I ask? What topic should I do? What's the art? Should I put the art like, should it be like yellow and in their face? Should it be like my, should I put my character? Should it, there's all these questions, right? And the fact that you might put it in a video is not going to answer their question because they're going to have to come to you and say, Marion, so is this a good headline? Is this a good thing? And they need you to say yes. So if you put that in a community and you say, share it with the community, all of a sudden, everybody loves to feel helpful and you're going like, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. Right. And now you have the wisdom of the tribe and they feel a lot more confident to go like, okay, everybody said it's great. I can say it out there into the world, right? Here in private, I can make mistakes. I can mess up. I can put something that doesn't look good and they'll protect me before people outside make fun of me. And that's the beauty of a community, right? It's kind of like uh, a safe zone to test your ideas. I feel like my clients, I don't think they'd be comfortable. A lot of people say that. But when you think about this, what makes someone comfortable sharing? Well, I guess trust, right? And so how do they trust the other people in the community? Well, this is my concern is they're like, my clients are really different from each other. But they have something in common because otherwise they wouldn't work with you. So what do they have in common? Yeah, I guess so. Me. I don't, I don't know. That's such but a what is question. it, right? There's something about you yeah. that they all relate to. So what is it? This is such a good question. I don't know. Is it your honesty? Is Probably. it your care? Probably. Is it the way that you say it as it is and you don't kind of like, right? Is it like straight up, just do this thing and that's it, right? Like, right, right. So. Are there two people that you're working with that value the same things and will value meeting other people that value the same thing? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. So there's your jackpot moment and you've just shared it. And, you know, one of the things about a podcast is very similar to what you were saying about building the relationships. It is one way, but it's still very intimate and very trusted. And this is the thing I try to tell people all the time. They try to compare podcast numbers to social media numbers. And I'm like, this is how long it takes to like a post, people who are listening. I just held up my mouse and went click, right? But a podcast download, you know, you can see your average listen throughs and you know, you're 30, 40 minutes with somebody, completely different level. And it's very interesting, right? Because when someone listens to your podcast and starts connecting with you, they start their own journey of finding you everywhere else, right? And then they can come to YouTube. I love you. I mean, like, if there's any platform that I would tell you to invest in would be YouTube, because that's the second largest search engine and people go there to learn, entertain and learn, right? So highly invest in that. I'm starting to look into how to stream on Amazon. I think we were talking about this. Yeah, because you know Jim, right? You know Jim and Chris, yeah. Because the whole company, and this is so beautiful. This is exactly what happened. Marion and I met on Michael Rodrick. We had an unscripted conversation. We liked each other right away. We did a follow-up call and we go like, okay, let's see if we're a good fit. We clicked right away and now I'm on our podcast. She's going to be on my show. While we were talking, she said, yeah, Amazon, this thing and that. And I was like, let me see. And she sent me a video and I'm like, I know Jim. So then I ring, I reach out to Jim and I'm like, dude, I was just on a call with Marianne and we talked about you. And he said, that's why my ears were burning. I'm like, she said you had a video about Amazon. He's like, here it is. I go there and I'm like, okay, that video doesn't tell me anything about how to do. <laughs> so I'm asking him, right? For like a few hours, how do you do this? What do you say about that? Should I do this? Should I do that? Right? 
Then I get to Amazon. I'm accepted as an influencer. I was like, okay, I guess I'm an influencer. So now I can, you know, the only thing that I don't have is an iPad or an iPhone. I'm an Android user. So now I have to go find an oh, iPad. Oh, you have to do it on iPhone? I didn't even know it's that. Only working on You're it ahead of me yeah. on the journey. You know, and so that's <laughs> my next hurdle is like, okay, fine, get an iPad because you have to start and end the stream from the app. But the whole thing, right? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to have to have you on my show because everything that you shared on that video, completely different than what you and I, the conversation we just had. And part of that, we were talking about vanity numbers. Amazon approves you as an influencer based on numbers that you have in different places. And I was like, my Twitter is, you know, non-existent. My YouTube is good. And he goes like, yeah, just apply with your YouTube. So I did and I got in. But I'm like, hey, should I buy some followers just for approval? <laughs> and he goes like, well, no, you have enough in YouTube. But he goes like, I guess that would be a strategy to get into. So again, buying followers, if you have a strategy behind <laughs> it and a purpose. <laughs> right. If you have a reason. Okay. So we could go on forever and I want to respect your time and I don't want to go over. So I know you were telling me you had some courses that might be great for people who are interested in this stuff. I want to give you a chance to share some of that information. Thank you. So one of the main things that we talked about is all the misconceptions that exist about marketing and the reason why you think you're not enough as you are right now to start making sales, high ticket sales. And it might be that you think that you don't have a big enough list, or you might think that you don't have money for Facebook ads, or you might think that you don't have a good presence, or you don't have enough followers on social media, or all these things. None of that matters. And I have a free course for you. It's text-based. It will take you maybe five minutes a day to go through it, but it will allow you to see that what you have right now is enough and you are good enough, and you already know what you're doing, and here is all the myths and all the stories that are going through your head that are just confusing the heck out of you. And by the end of it, I will invite you to a workshop, hands-on workshop, to actually practice delivering jackpot moments. So if that's something that you're interested in, Marion will have the link. It's uh, from scene to sold out. <laughs> from scene to sold out. Is it .com? .com. From scene to sold out.com. And I will put it in the show notes, but I know most of us don't actually ever go look at the show notes. We listen while we're doing other things. So it's easy to remember. It is not from sin to sold out. It is from seen to sold out. Now you're really going to remember it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's more <laughs> memorable that way. All right. So I love to get a little parting advice about what people get wrong about marketing, about messaging. You know, this is another lesson from my Google Plus days because there were no rules, right? I was just being if and there were no copywriting. I didn't know. I was just blam myself, right? There was one time I shared a post and I said, did you have paradigm shift lately? And I forgot the F in shift. Comments just came in, right? I just had one this morning. I finished the entire magazine. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and me, I don't know. And I'm like, come on, dude, what was it? What was the thing, right? Finally, and people are like, don't tell her, don't tell her. Finally, someone goes like, you know, you forgot the F. And so that was a lot of engagement. It was fun, right? It was just me and blah, blah, blah. And I went and I changed it and I edit and all that stuff. And that kind of built like a really funny following and connections with other people and stuff. But then when I tried to be like, okay, now I need to sell my stuff. All of a sudden the fun, you know, mistaking all stuff out the window and me becoming very serious about like, uh, uh, there's a headline, there's a way to say it, there's all that stuff. Naturally that stuff doesn't work. And so what I would tell people is, even though copy can be nice, right? And it's important to know how to do and stuff. 
you're already persuading people in your everyday life. Every time you try to persuade your partner to go to a restaurant, you are persuading. Every time you try to tell your kids to do something, clean their room, you are persuading. You have it in you if you're passionate about whatever it is that you want. So have that persuasion come into your online writing, and then you're authentic, you're real, you're you, and you're coming from a good place. There is a tool that I love. It's called WordTune, and it's fantastic. It's free. It's an Israeli company, and it allows you to kind of like tune the sentences. So it takes your thoughts, and it writes them in a beautiful way, and it works in any browser online. So it will work in Facebook, in Messenger, in, in Google Docs. You basically throw up whatever you want to say on the page and use WordTune, and then you can shorten it, refine it, make it a little bit better. But it's still your words. It's still your thoughts, your ideas. So if you really need some help, here's one. Otherwise, just be, I know it's, it's cliche to say, be you, right? But what if people don't like who I am? And what if they don't relate? Think about the people who do like who you are. Because if they do, then you will love working with them and they will love working with you. And then they'll share other people that love to work with you. So I don't know. I, I think the messaging needs to be just about authenticity and trust and not too much copyrighted. But that's me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Grounded Content Podcast. I take nothing for granted. I appreciate everyone who listens. Please do me a favor. If you like this show, share it on your social media. Take a screen grab of the episode and tag me at Mad Motion on Instagram or Marion Abrams on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of opportunities to hear from you in a podcast. It's a one-way broadcast channel, but that's where social media comes in. And I really want to know who's out there listening. I know we're sharing a ton of valuable information. I'd love to hear what ideas are sticking or what you've tried. If sharing on social media isn't your gig or you just don't feel like putting it out there publicly, you can send me a private message on Instagram or use my form at madmotion.com. And one last thing, if you're interested in consulting and coaching on your podcast, how to be strategic and effective, how to really elevate your game, if you have a podcast already and it's just not doing enough for you, get in touch with me. Let's talk. See you next time.